Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Nordics podcast. As always, I am joined by my good friend, Timmy Long. How are you, Hello, Tim? everyone. Good morning. Very well. Uh, and we're out again in Little Island um, in our beautiful studio with Rowan on the decks, and this week we have a very special guest, uh, not an Ari, she's a passion Ari because she's from <laughs> North East, she's from Dublin Hill, and her name is Lorna, and she's got a very interesting story. So how are you keeping, Lorna? I'm keeping good, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for agreeing to come on the podcast. No, I really appreciate it. Um, we know you from Instagram, um, but for people that don't know you, who are you, where are you from? I am Lorna Hearn, I'm 26, from Dublin Hill. Posh now, as you might say. <laughs> I don't feel posh, though. No. Um, yeah, and I suppose I'm here just to tell my story and my journey uh, through anorexia. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's talked about enough, so I'm actually really happy to be here. A bit no. nervous, but excited. I'm really looking forward to yeah. this, you know, um, because I, I would have had problems with food as well in the past, yeah. as I spoke about earlier. So um, this is definitely one of the podcasts that I'm really looking forward to. Just and that's the thing, like even when it's on a different side of the spectrum, it's still kind of the same thing. It's all mental health and your mentality and how you speak to yourself. So like yeah. it does come hand in hand, whether you're on the under eating side of the spectrum or the overeating mm. side. I, I understand both. So that's what I'm saying. I understand where you were at a, f- a few months ago and you're locked in one mm. kind of yeah. phase. So And even like an eating disorder is pretty similar to an addiction in many ways. I always say this when I'm trying to explain it to people because it is very hard to understand um, anorexia. Like there's times where I don't even understand it myself. It's, mm. it's, it's mind-boggling. Um, but it's, it's an addiction. It's an addiction to restriction. Mm. Um so that's why when I do try and explain it to, let's say, people older than me, my mom, my dad, like it's like alcoholism or drug addiction or anything like that. It is an addiction yeah. to restricting food, which yeah. sounds mental and crazy when it is. But like, and when did this? When did it become an issue for you? When what were the warning signs? Um, it started when I was fourteen, which is so young. Looking back yeah. on it now, like you think that you're an old adult when you're mm. fourteen. Like, so I thought I had it all figured out. Um. But I didn't, and like it really crept up slowly. Um, and believe it or not, it was actually my mom that kind of found it before I even knew what it was. It really was slow, and like everyone's eating disorder starts differently. One person's could be a big, massive thing; they could have been bullied or something like that. Mine, I found from going to therapy and um, counselling sessions that it was just a lot of little things that kind of balled into one. But it's always to do with like a lack of control over something. And then you've control over your food, so that's your like your defense mechanism, I suppose, against it. So it started when I was fourteen. Um, my mom kind of noticed me losing weight, and 
I suppose I am a perfectionist as well. Yeah. That has a lot to do with it. And I'm a dancer and I was in dance class one day we were rehearsing and I remember we were singing and I remember looking at the the singing teacher and we were all standing together and she was playing piano and we were all singing and all of a sudden everyone's voices were they just stopped, their mouths were moving and I just got so hot and I was looking around and I was like, What is going on? And I just collapsed. Um and I suppose that's when it kind of hit then with my mom that this is serious. Like we need to do something mm-hmm. about it. So there was a weekly doctors and weekly wanes and I just became more and more obsessed. Uh, the voice got stronger and stronger. Anytime I started eating, it was just guilt and I became really sly. And my dad always said like, I was never a liar. My dad hates liars. And I became a big liar only to do it with food. I'd lie, get my friends to lie to my mom and dad. Um, and just kept getting worse and worse and worse. But you know, when you're 15 or 14, sorry, yeah. and it's starting to become problematic, what's your mental state at the time? Like, what kind of a teenager were you at that age? Were you shy or insecure? Or what, what was it about your life at that time that you felt the only control you had was over the, cal- the calories the you calories. were consuming? I was actually always... I was quite outgoing. Um, a slight introvert when I was small, but, like, became massive extrovert. Um, very outgoing, like loads of friends, like was never bullied, mm. nothing like that. Uh, I was always a person in the family that like went over to my aunt's or my uncle's house and they'd be like, oh, Lauren is her, mm. put a plate of dinner on for her as well because oh, she's going to eat it, mm. like lock the cupboards, she'll eat all the chocolate. That, like, that's who I was in my family, always like the greyhound breed. Mm. So it was a big, massive shock for them. But I suppose at that age, my body was changing and I was going to a new school. I went to um, a secondary school where I was the only girl from my primary school that went and my mom and dad gave me the choice. Um, and I went to the school where all my friends didn't go to. I still don't know why, but it was one of the best decisions I did make in terms of, like, my teachers. They really looked out for me in that. Um, but, yeah, I suppose my body was changing. So, things like without that. wanting to embarrass, you know, yeah, right? Yeah, But there's going to be girls watching this. Yeah. When mm. the girl is coming into puberty, obviously, yeah. it's the same for boys, secondary yeah. school, and already this is. It, like, Your um, body is changing. Girls are getting growth in places yeah. they hadn't as a child. Um, some girls can embrace it and other girls yeah, don't, I feel don't like want the attention I, I, yeah I didn't want the and attention and you think that you restricted your calories to avoid the growth yeah because like, like, I remember the lads used to say like oh like do you know I've, I'm, I was getting an ass and like yeah. and things like that and I was just like ah do you know it was obviously compliments but like I just felt very weird by it and I've, I've always wanted just to stay young forever um, <clears> and I suppose as well like when you really dig deep into me saying that like it took me a lot of therapy sessions to really find out what that meant, like being young forever. I wanted a small, younger woman's body forever, a child's body. Mm. And that's exactly what I got for years. Was that something to do with the dancing? That, and that's like another thing. Like my dance teachers, like they were always amazing to me. They never, weight was never brought up. Do you mm. know what I mean? And obviously you're like, you're in a leotard in class and stuff. You're looking at yourself all the time. It, I suppose it became a really massive thing when I went to dance college in England. That's when it really hit. But like at 14, still I was just kind of, getting into it it wasn't until I kind of got to 15 16 that like it just took over me and I was a different person like I was not Lorna that wasn't me like I, I was a completely different person I was such a dark person um, and I've a lot of diaries as well I've got five diaries still under my bed that That's, I haven't looked at it sounds completely like an, an alcoholic or an yeah alcoholic. and like your height like I was hidden as well like my mom used to come into my bedroom at night time and I'd be doing like crunches on the floor like white around my mouth like just sweating um, just excessive exercise but it was all so sneaky 
Mm. And that was a really hard thing, I suppose, for my family being like, what, what, how can we help? Mm. You know, how, what, what can we do? Tell us about um, dancing college. Yeah, so I, my, my, I had two hospital admissions before that. Um, they were inpatients. They were really tough. Um, and I suppose all I ever talked about in those was, I want to be a dancer. I want to go to dance college. And Before you go to the yeah. dance college, when you were in hospital, yeah. what's it like being in hospital for anorexia? In Cork, like... I don't want to say it's very bad, but it is very bad. My first admission was, looking back on it, a joke. Um, I was put into the children's ward in CUH. Mm. So, like, at the very beginning, I had my own room. I suppose that was okay. Um, but still, like, you're dealing with, like, paediatric nurses that, like, are dealing with kids that have gotten their appendix out or a broken arm. And then you've got me, someone with a, mel- a mental illness. Yeah. It's completely different. Like, Was, and was there not psychiatrist or anything no so like they like just the nurses who's coming out now the student nurses were amazing to me mm. because I suppose we were nearly similar in age mm. um, I got to talk to them and they kind of got to help me in, through a lot of it but it used to be my doctors from outside that used to come in but like they weren't really that helpful like I remember one time a doctor said to me that I was like why am I here because I couldn't understand it and she was like look at your arm she was like you're like someone on a on an advert, like, for, let's say, Troker or something. And I remember yeah. she said that to me, and I was like, you you shouldn't be saying things like yeah. that to me. Do you know, that that's not going to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't find it helpful at all. And I actually was discharged because of the swine flu. That was rampant in the hospital. And they were like, if she gets it, like, her immune system isn't strong enough. So mm-hmm. they let me go. They let me go out, and I was delighted. I was, well, I was, was in there for four or five months. How was your relationship with your parents when you were in and out of hospital like that? Um, the cause conflict at home? Or? Yeah, oh my God. Like, I ran away a few times. Like, just, I just couldn't mm. handle it anymore. Um, but through looking back now, it's made me so much closer to them. They are my best friends. My mum mm. and my dad, I'm so lucky. Like, I'm honestly one of the luckiest people in the world to have them as my mum and dad, but it did cause a lot of conflict in the house, you know, it was, it wasn't the happiest house at times, because mm. it was constant worry, like, is she going to die, is she, mm. do you know yeah. what I mean, what are we going to do, because, like, what, in my second admission, my mom was told, like, you're going to have to prepare her funeral, which is so hard to say, mm. um, because I was that bad, I was in a wheelchair, like, so yeah, I couldn't walk. It's the same as addiction to me, yeah. and it's like, yeah. do this person... And they're doing this thing to themselves as well. It perceives like our choices that it's are being made. It's a choice, made, yeah. But it's actually not choices, no. really. You're a very sick person at the yeah. time. Um, and like if you have a child that's an addiction like that, or a child in an eating disorder, I can imagine it being very frustrating for a parent. Well, I've, I, what's going through my head is I have a daughter. She's 13, yeah. she's nearly 14. And, you know, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking yeah. at my daughter when you're speaking. Because like, you, you were the same age. Like when you started to get this, and you look at her, she's a baby. Like, do you know what I mean? You're thinking, yeah. how can she do that to herself? And then I'm know? thinking, like, about your parents. Like, their their child is basically. They probably didn't have the understanding around anorexia at the time, and, yeah. and it, what it can do to somebody, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it, and and then you're dealing with the shit that's going on in your head. And that's the thing. Like, and I thought everyone was being so melodramatic. I was like, what are they seeing that I can't see? Mm. Um, I thought everyone was mad. Genuinely, my, like my mom would be like, "Look in the mirror, like look at yourself, like what can you see?" And it's so weird that we were looking at me, but like just two different people. I was seeing something completely different to what she was seeing. It's like body dysmorphia. Isn't Literally, it? like yeah, my poor dad then just thought it was a phase. Like he was like, "Just you'll grow out of it," kind of yeah. thing. Because I'm his little girl, he doesn't want to see me mm-hmm. going through that, and he was just hoping for the best. Like he's a very positive, 
always look on the bright side of glass, always half full kind mm. of person. So like he just, I broke his heart. Like, you know, I broke both of their hearts because my mom was always saying like, this is one thing, like if you fall on the floor, I can I can fix up your knee and I can mm. make you better. I can put a plaster on it. This is one thing that they couldn't it's just powerless, fix for me. It was, it was all down to me. And it, it is powerlessness. My mom has yeah. always used that word. She's felt powerless. How is anorexia recognised within the, the medical community? Is it is it a disease? Like? It's mental health illness. Yeah. Like. I, like, I, I would say like it's a disease, like a mental illness or yeah. a disease. Yeah, because like, a lot of people think it's just, oh, you want to be skinny. Mm. And like it is that, I suppose... But it's so much more. It's so much deeper than that. And that's trying to get that across to someone. You know, mm. like people just think you don't want to eat. I did want to eat. But I got to a stage where I actually felt like I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy enough. I was creating so much turmoil at home for my mom mm. and dad. Like, why should I deserve to eat that? And that's what it came down to then. You don't deserve that. Like, what? you can't have it. Did you go through the bulimia, binge and purge stage at all? I tried bulimia, to be honest, but it actually wasn't for me. I couldn't do it. Um, do you want to explain what bulimia is for the people? That yeah, so bulimia obviously is, it's a bit different to anorexia. Like, you could look very healthy and mm. be bulimic. Um, so you would eat, binge, and then you'd make yourself sick. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I didn't go down that route. And so for um, somebody that suffers with bulimia, as you said, they can appear very normal. They can appear very normal, some, yeah. Some of the warning signs might be damaged teeth as the, the yeah, purging yeah, the acid, of the acid comes, yeah. comes yeah. from the belly. I actually would have done that in the past. Really? Yeah. I tried it a few times, but like, make, it, getting yeah. sick just makes me feel... Mm, when I was um, towards the end of my addiction, really, yeah. you know, I would have come in from benders, from being on a bender a week or two yeah. or whatever, and just ate and ate and ate and just... We literally, the, the, soul, the food would be just come up to here, like, and I'd be getting sick, yeah. you know, and it was like the image, my image as well, it was like I was trying to keep my image, you know, I didn't want to get too overweight, yeah. and it was just, it was, it became a, a thing, the thing for that me at the time, you know, um, and that kind of, when I got, when I came into recovery as well, it, it did come into my life as well, Yeah, it has, years ago, it did come back into my life where I was... I, I knew that if I eat too much, I know that I could go to the toilet and make and myself sick. Yeah. You know, and lose the weight. I have never spoken about this with anyone before. My mm. wife knows about it yeah. because she. Well, I appreciate she, talking you talking about it because you know, know but I, I, I understand. I understand yeah. com- uh, completely. And do you know the irony with bulimia then? Like, you know, once you ingest the calories, mm. the, the calories are absorbed nearly They're straight absorbed, away. And that's the thing. So when you're when you're actually purging and vomiting up, it doesn't have any effect on the calories that you've intake. But your 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 mind in your mind, mind exactly. is telling me oh, once if the food is gone, yeah. you know it's fine. And You'll it's be all, fine. It's that guilt and shame. Yeah, of that's exactly. Binging and, and eating so much. Actually, taste then that you had in your mouth with the teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what wrecks the teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, like um, for for um, parents out there that have, uh, there are warning signs that they are. Yeah, massive yeah. warning signs. What What does somebody with bulimia do? Where do they go? What What kind of help should they? Should I get for themselves? Should I see a psychiatrist, a psychologist? I definitely think so because there's always something making you do that. Like, and you have to sit with yourself and ask yourself, "Why am I doing this?" And give yourself the time to actually think. You know, why am I doing this to myself? It's like there's always a reason. You know, but you just have to dig deep. If you're consuming a lot of alcohol and you're consuming a lot of what are you trying to numb? Do you know what I mean? What are you trying to fill? What exactly? And this goes back to that thing, the Gabamate's book Mm. in the realm of hungry ghosts, which is a great book. You would like it. And it's this Mm. Buddhist kind of uh, is it's named after this Buddhist kind of a metaphor of these hungry ghosts stuck in purgatory between heaven and hell. 
and they're hungry ghosts and they consume everything food sex work drugs alcohol yeah. and they never fill that void that and it's void. always a void yeah. that out external stuff will never fill i suppose and a, a part of recovery is working on the inside um so but we'll come to your recovery yeah you were very sick you went to dance college in England, was it? Yeah. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I can actually understand with the alcoholism as well. Like I started drinking when I was 14, when yeah. all this started. Um, and I'd say you got langos very quickly when you were Very quickly. <laughs> and Agna and I was gone. <laughs> Cheap night. Okay. You haven't got much body weight to absorb <laughs> the alcohol. Like. Literally. But like, so I can understand that. Like that numbing thing as well. Like I, I picked up drink at 14 to get out of my head and kind of just... Yeah. not not see anything yeah. realistically yeah. but um yeah so when I was in hospital um any doctor I spoke to I was like I want to get better for dance like that was the main thing that pushed me to get better so was, there was always a goal weight so like even like even in hospital now like oh my mom knows this my dad knows this but there'd be a way in every I think it was Friday morning so Thursday night I'd get as many bottles of water as I could possibly find fill them with water put them under my bed Wayne was at seven so I'd wake up at six this is my first hospital admission, and I drink about three, four liters of water. No, I'd nearly be getting sick. Mm. Like imagine just down in that mm. for the hour, um, throw away all the bottles, and then I'd be about two kg, two, three kg heavier. Yeah. So I learned all these little tricks when I was eating. I used to put food in my slippers, which is disgusting, like yeah. sandwiches and stuff into my slippers. Um, and as soon then as the nurse has gone, run over and put put into the bin, like you just become so conniving. Mm. But Jeez, so I know much, so, so much so to it, like, much hide, like, like, like literally, like just... hide the food in my like yeah. in my, my pajamas. Yeah, we. And then like, as soon as they turn, and run over to the yeah. bin and put the food. Do you know what it means? Like the alcoholic, yeah, plant bottles all over the house, everywhere they can, and the addict will plant bags yeah. and yeah. tablets everywhere it's all scary. over like looking yeah. back like yeah. even think of that mindset that I was yeah. in do you know what it reminds me of when you're talking there do you know that movie Girl Interrupted Brittany Murphy yeah. Yeah. Brittany Murphy is a bulimia and it, she hides the chicken under the bed <laughs> and swaps the chicken <laughs> swaps the chicken doing. for the Xanax <laughs> off Angelina Jolie that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's literally what I was doing like putting under my pillow and stuff disgusting yeah. but um, yeah so when I finally got out of all those hospital admissions I was like go back to dancing um, thank god because that was like my therapy that was like my main mm. form of therapy. Like it was just the biggest release. I'd go in upset, sad. I'd come out and I'd feel like I could conquer the world. Mm. So I was doing my leaving cert. Um, and again, like just proper perfectionist. Like I wanted to get over 500 points. You were doing your, your leaving cert. Yeah, so you I was doing the leaving cert. So I wanted 500 points just to get 500 points. Absolutely no other reason why. Like I was just such a perfectionist. And that's another thing with anorexics. They usually tend to be perfectionists. They always want to be the best at everything that they do. So I ended up getting 525 and didn't really want any course in particular. Yeah. But down law with French, got that. And I remember like dropping my pen, I'd business last, and I just burst out ball and crying because I put so much pressure on myself. I used to do all these weird things. I used to pick up my skin, mm. like a form of kind of self-harm, I suppose, really. I used to pick up my skin all the time. Um, and I begged my mom and dad, could I take a year out? My mum's like, of course, you can do whatever you want. Do you know what I mean? Once you're happy. Mm. So I went to Klaus Josef on Nefa. Well done, mum. Yeah, my mum my yeah. is so understanding. And my dad is always like, you got law? Yeah. What do you mean? So I don't think he'll ever forgive me for, mm. for, not, being, for not going to, um, to UCC and doing law. But I can always go back if I ever wanted to. Of course, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I went to Klaus Josef on Nefa and did the dance course there. Just to see, like, do I really love dance that much? Do I want to do it every day? And I did. I absolutely adored it. I so happy. Mm. Um, so I was like, I want to go to England. It was always my goal since I was about 10 or 11. 
and I was working about two or three jobs, working in a nightclub, I was working in, I think it was like River Island and whatever other job and I saved up all my money and I, I said to my mum and dad, like, if you just support me with love, I'll pay for everything, I'll pay for the flights, the auditions, the accommodation and if I get a scholarship, like, can I go? Mm. They didn't think I was going to get a scholarship. They were like, go on, of course, can I was always a bit airy-fairy, go on, yeah, of course. So off I went on a few little trips over to London on my own, like just me and my suitcase, like going around the tubes, getting that lost every time, crying over there, being like, do I actually really want this? Um, and I got accepted into the A colleges that I auditioned for, but there was one in particular that I wanted. It was bodywork in Cambridge. And I got the scholarship audition. So I flew over... And I think it was like a Thursday at like, I left Cork at seven, got over there for half eight, got to Cambridge for nine, made the audition, did the audition, finished at six and came back that night. My dad was like, it was just as if I went into town for the day and came back. Mm. Pure um, dedication though, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah, like I'm always just kind of like, how was I doing mm. that at, at mm. that age? Like I was 18, 19. Mm. And it was July and I was laying on my bed, just on my phone, like an, an email came through and it was from Sonia Robinson. She was the... The receptionist that body work I got my heart so well there's a bit of Irish in her she was like a such a laugh <laughs> and she said I got the scholarship so I ran down the stairs my mom she was putting out the wash and I was bawling crying mom thought someone died mm. and I was like I got it and she was like you got what and I was like the scholarship I got. and she was like the first thing she said was does that mean you're going and I was like yeah and she just fell onto her knees bawling crying and I was like are you happy are you sad mm. and we were both just bawling crying but then I went and I suppose it was a big massive thing for them to let me go at 19. Um, I was at an okay weight. Mm. Like I made the goal weight. I think it was about 48 kg, 49 kg maybe. Um, and I went over there and as I said, I was like, I promise, you know, I won't get worse. I'll get better because I'm doing what I love, you know. And it was a massive thing for me because I became known as the girl with anorexia here. Everyone knew me. Mm. as what? being anorexic even though mm. I didn't think that they did what I didn't kind think anyone knew what kind of dance was it again Lorna? Um, so I did everything so I did ballet contemporary jazz commercial okay. hip hop tap oh, um, so like you train in everything and then acting and singing as well okay. so it was a proper like, performing arts college mm. so I was yeah. like ah and I was like no so it was like a lot of fun it is it was yeah. so much fun yeah. it was so tough yeah. it was the hardest three yeah. years of my whole life the toughest three years but the best and what was it like um when you were in Cambridge, which is probably one of the most prestigious universities yeah, oh in the world. Yeah, oh my God, it's the most beautiful place mm, yeah. in the whole world. Oh, but, um, God. Do you know, when you're in that dance course, and I said this to you earlier on today, mm-hmm. there's a stereotype of there is. ballet, dancers, mm-hmm. anorexia, yeah. disorders. Is there a lot of pressure on you to stay thin and nice? Um, do you know, like, when, like, when I went over there, I loved the fact that no, like, I could say my name was anything and I was from anywhere and I could be anyone because no one knew me. Mm. I was the only Irish person in my year. Um... And I was like, I'm not going to tell. Like, the, the people in the college knew, like, the teachers knew. They had to know in the audition, I had to tell them. Because um, that's a big, massive thing. They have to know. And usually, like, they wouldn't really let people in with those kind of things because it does become a issue, yeah. an issue with the yeah. college as well. Yeah. But I, I was like, I promise, I promise, I promise. So they gave me the benefit of the doubt. Um, but quickly, like, it became so strong because I was on my own. There was no mom or dad to tell me to have breakfast. Mm. There was no one there to make sure my lunch was made. Do you know what I mean? Um, so my lunch every day was a Tupperware box, which, you know, the frozen veg from like Tesco or Dunn's yeah. or whatever. There was like peas, sweet corn and carrots in it. Mm. That was my lunch. And then an apple and an orange. Um, so like it took, I'd say it, it took maybe, maybe four or five weeks for the girls around me to notice. Were you hungry? No. 
I think I was living off adrenaline, mm. which is weird. And I think because it was going on for so many years, like this is going into like my fifth or sixth year of it now. You're used to it. You're just used to it. Like, yeah, like I would just, I didn't really feel it anymore. You know, when you're like, obviously dancing burns up a lot of energy. Burns up so much. And I feel like as well, like they were able to tell because I was always freezing. Yeah, I'm just going to ask you In the class, yeah, like, like they'd turn on the mm. air con because everyone's sweating and I used to be like, Mm. absolutely shaking in the corner like are they for real do you know like turn that off or I put on another layer and that like yeah. but um, it did become very apparent and like it was hard to like looking back now at pictures I don't know how people looked at me in the leotard because mm. it was just bones protruding everywhere and then I did get taken off timetable I did get um, put onto an outpatient um, mm. list but I just love that then because I had to cycle for 30 minutes to the outpatient. So I was like, oh, I'm burning more calories now. It's okay that you're missing class. Like, mental. The madness of it, isn't the it? The madness of it all. But like... But you think it's, you think it's you're, you're perfect. Yeah, and like, even then yeah. I was like, hey, why do they think that? Like, why do they think I'm skinny? I'm not. Like, I'm fine. Um, I tell you a small story there. I know this, yeah. I know this person, right? And there was issues with bulimia mm-hmm. um, and under-eating and stuff. And the doctor said to the person that... Um, you need to start eating more food because you're losing weight. And this mm. person thought the doctor was jealous of how they looked. Really? Yeah. That's, that's, that's how warped That is, you do like become that. warped like that. Like, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Like, I'd hate um, people ask me what am I, what am I eating because they'd be thinking then they mm. want to eat the same thing as me. It's so weird and I don't even know how to describe that. The, 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 the cognition or the yeah. thinking is you, gone. It's you know, gone. You know, when I actually did get to a certain weight that I did like... Um, any food that I did back in the day, like yeah. any food that I did eat, it it was like if if it was too much, I would probably make myself sick. Yeah. Because I needed to keep myself at this weight, at this condition, this shape, you know. Yeah, and like I, yeah. I can even like like be in like weighing myself, or I'd all these weird rituals. Like if I went into the toilet, I'd have to pull up my top and like kind of bend over that way, and I'd have to count my ribs. I'd, I'd know, like, if I put on weight or lost weight by touching here or touching my arm, I'd, like, if I'm lying down, I'd have to grab my hip mm-hmm. bones and things like that. But, like, all those kind of things are, like, a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. by that little voice in my mm-hmm. head. Jeez. So, like, if I was dropping weight, everyone's getting bad around me with this little voice, like, you're doing well, like, you're doing good. I, the so opposite then, because when I was a teenager, I was a very skinny young fella. Yeah. <laughs> when I started going into prison when I was 18 and 19... I used to eat all around me in there and lift weights and, you know, where I had the bones then, yeah. I had muscle, you know, and I was like, great, but then when I get out, like, back into the drink and the drugs and the weight fall off you when you're taking drugs, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it takes, like, when you're young, obviously, you be high metabolism, yeah. you're burning a lot of energy, it takes a lot of work and calories to put on muscle, you know? Yeah. And then when I get out, two wheez and a bottle of vodka oh and it's God. gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh one night, six I'm months not. weight training, yeah, it's gone. and one one binge, one one bender, and you're back to square one. Um, but I can I can relate with that, you know, not feeling comfortable in your own skin. It's a horrible yeah. place to be, isn't it? And yeah. I think that's like a, it. Really stems from that, like lack of self love and just self belief, mm. you know. And like I still suffer with it to this day, and that's that's a tough thing to say. Like you know, mm. people do ask me like it's gone now, like you know you're you're cured. Not really, no. you know, and it's and it's. I hate saying that because I hate my mom or dad to hear that. But like that is the truth. Like I will, mm-hmm. I'll always have it. I'll always have anorexia, but I'm not anorexic right now. If that makes sense. And it's like us. We'll always have the power. Yeah, of the you know, it's always that wants to fucking. But you know, it's a big part, big part of that then as well. Is is it's like for for an alcoholic is the denial 
you know that you you've anorexia you yeah know, so it's not before you said no there's nothing wrong there's with nothing me. and no you yeah. actually realize you that listen it. i have an eating disorder um it's the same for the alcoholic yeah. and then you've awareness around it exactly yeah. Yeah. There's no warning signs. Yeah. and that's the thing and like a big thing as well is like just accepting it like even like for parents now like if they think that their child is suffering it is so tough because they really can't do anything until that person is ready mm. to accept it and, and work towards it and even when they do accept it it's so hard mm. like you are literally in a battle with yourself every single day every from the minute you wake yeah. up like from the minute I woke up it was numbers food numbers 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 all the time writing it down on anything that I had like in school writing down what I ate for mm. breakfast how can I cancel that out Mm. you know it was constantly like that like all my thoughts were just consumed with calories and I knew the calories and everything was weird like mm. I, my mind just yeah. I came to where like it was like 111 calories or things like that like I, you just remember and it was just I was just totally consumed by it. I could be having a conversation with you and mm. I'd be looking at you but my mind just wandering off into yeah. I relate to that, and it's so weird you don't want the food but all you're thinking about is food 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 mm. like it's a crazy it's a crazy condition mm. like it, it, it's a massive thing today with, mm. with young young women, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's like... It's and like, men, and men. And men, and like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, there was actually a boy that wrote to me on Instagram and he actually suffered from it as well. And there's not many boys yeah. that maybe even openly talk about eating disorders and things like mm-hmm. that. Like, even with the gym and stuff, it is... A, sometimes people do get a, a body dysmorphia with the yeah. gym, do you know what I mean? It's never enough. And in the age of Instagram as well. Yeah, like, I was lucky I didn't have Instagram it's, at it's that It's tough stage. because... For men and women, yeah. there's a lot of, um, if you're a man on Instagram, there's a lot of um, good-looking men on yeah. Instagram, <laughs> you know, in the best shape of their lives, you know. Um, and a man can feel under a lot of pressure when he doesn't look like that. Yeah. And it's the same for a woman, but it's not really spoken about for men. Um, and it's hard, I suppose when you're my, my mid-30s now, I'm, you know, 35, like... No way. I, I, I'm a married man, you know? I only need to please one person, that's yeah. my wife. And she don't complain yet anyway. <laughs> but uh, I can imagine for a young person yeah. that haven't got that maturity, this is what leads to the rise in um, anabolic steroid use. Yeah. Um, actually, there was a lady... Um, I'm going to ask you the questions that were submitted. Cause yeah, I want to have... I ask people to submit some questions. But what, one of them, anyway, just because we're on it... In the fitness industry, where you have uh, meal plans and mm. calorie counting and all that, do yeah. you think that there's a risk of relapsing back into that? For myself? Yeah. Um, do you know what? Like, I'll be dead honest, there's days still, like, so basically, um, I'm working in Next Seeds and they have really changed my life. Josh and Leon, they're the owners, and from, let's say, me a year and a half ago to now, different person. And it's just because of the environment that I'm surrounded by, the people that I'm surrounded with, my colleagues. Mm. Um, but I also, I think you guys know him, his name's Alan O'Mani. Yeah. Yeah, so I... Is he from Baker's Road? Um, he's he? living up in Dublin Hill now as well, so... Oh. But uh, he is from Baker's Road, I think. I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, mm. but he knows me anyway. Um, so I work with him, and he's become my training partner, and that, now he's my coach as well. So, like, I put all my trust in him with the food and stuff because I can write myself a meal plan, and I can tell myself how many... Mm macros calories what i meant to be on for my goal um but there's times where i literally just i can't do it mm. and i need someone to kind of be in charge in charge yeah. of that because yeah. i'm still at a stage at times where like i just there's and i'm very open with alan and be like right today actually i couldn't eat today and mm. i still have those days and that's tough yeah. to say you know and i keep yeah. it a lot to yeah. myself because i don't want yeah. to panic anyone because i know yeah. tomorrow i won't dwell on it yeah um but yeah like 
I'm not as obsessed, I suppose, as I said, like, I'll always have that voice, but I'm a lot stronger. Mm. Um, and that's that takes years and that takes time and that takes growth. Mm. And, you know, I know myself, if I was to fall back into that kind of mindset, I would ask for help, Yeah, thankfully. I've, I've been you know? through um, yeah. different... Uh, like I'm into fitness myself since yeah. I gave up the drinking the drugs and that. But um over over different stages I've had different meal plans, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'd be great for three or four weeks and my fucking boiled rice and my chicken <laughs> and all these things. It always ended in a binge. Yeah. And it always ended in oh what we're talking about, no minus the purging, you know. It was always yeah. like four weeks gone down the fucking swanny binge and, yeah. and and I just came to the realisation the calorie counting is not for me at all mm. it doesn't suit me the restriction mm. fucking it, I don't yeah. enjoy the training I don't enjoy the food so I kind of use um, my fitness pan now where yeah. generally I have a you nice diet you can just be like intuitive with your eating like, and yeah, that's okay and, and if, I I if that ha- works for you then that's and if you want to have a bar of chocolate have the fucking bar yeah, of chocolate yeah because like, you know I think mean? people get confused and as well it's like you have to eat chicken rice and broccoli no. five times a day yeah. you don't like yeah. my meal plan I love my meal plan and like the meal plan I give my clients I ask them for give me three days mm. of your normal food diary let's say and tell me the foods that you cannot live without and I'll incorporate that like if it's a bar of chocolate if, mm. do you know what yeah. I mean if you there's one there's one client I have and she loves um, spaghetti hoops and she's like I actually can't live without them <laughs> alphabetic like, spaghetti you know and I was like so I'll, yeah. I'll put that in for you there's one yeah. client I have she needs chocolate she needs chocolate yeah. I'd be like, I'll, give you, I'll give you the chocolate so mm. do you know what I mean so like yeah. There is that kind of warped mentality. Like, if I lose weight, I have to just have chicken and rice. You don't. Yeah. It's calories in versus calories exactly. out. And, you, you know... You know, you know. there's one word that I would have had a problem with, you know, and I would have used it for many years, yeah. down through the years, trying to get into certain uh, a weight that I wanted. It was the it was the word diet, you know, uh, and, and I've kind of changed the word f- f- from diet to healthy living lately and that's a brilliant way to you put know, it like yeah because when there's a word like diet on it it's it's to get to something yeah and be finished and then try to go back to the way you were before yeah. and try to balance that but if you go into the healthy living kind of uh, it becomes more of a lifestyle it's choice. your lifestyle yeah exactly it's, it's not just this four week kind of yeah. thing you know, four week package like with yeah. a diet plan and a training plan it's a lifestyle yeah. and that's that's the best way to put it that's a really yeah. good way to put it yeah. like but to bring you back anyway, you were in Cambridge. Did you graduate from there or how did I that did, finish? I did, yeah. So I, my first year was dreadful. I feel like I didn't even do for my first year of college because I'd be in class and the teachers explaining the exercise and I'm just staring at myself in the mirror, looking at me and the leotard, like, and I was just completely obsessed with myself mm. and my appearance. And, it, and do you know what? What's me, like When I say that, it probably sounds like, oh, she loves herself mm. I absolutely hated myself mm. I hated looking at myself I hated what I saw and like that's so tough to say like mm. um, we understand it yeah like right. I honestly yeah. like I hated myself yeah. and it was just look, and being in that environment every day mirrors on this side of the room mm. and that side of the room and, like, you cannot you couldn't escape mm. your reflection mm. um, so I was put into an outpatient um, unit so like I was kind of going there I think it was maybe like twice a week and I, that was actually just for people with eating disorders uh, way better than kind of what we have here in, mm. in Cork. Now there is a place in Cork, um, Cork Eating Disorders Clinic I think it's called. I was going there for a while and they were really good but it's still they can, there can be so much more. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I was going there for a while and then because I was over 80 and I could take myself out so I did. I just like sign myself out of that now mm. I feel okay. And um, When you finished Cambridge did you come home? 
No, I stayed for a while. And were you working? Yeah, I was working in an Irish bar and I absolutely loved it. Um, they became like a second family to me. But in the, it was the gym that saved me, really. Um, I found the gym in like my second year of college. I was like, I'm going to join the gym. And everyone was like, oh my God, she's going to die. Like, <laughs> she's going to kill herself. No, I'm, you know? I'm not laughing at it. Yeah, I'm no, just laughing been, at the madness yeah. of the thinking yeah. that the dancing you know, six hours a day. Yeah, yeah. 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 like we danced, we danced yeah. from half eight till six. And I was working about three jobs over there because I was paying my rent and that myself. And I was like, I'm going to join the gym. And everyone was like, yeah. where are you even going to find the time? But I found a 24-hour gym. So I just go at three in the morning. How was your body even recovering with all it the protein? It was, and, I, and like my mom was always like, "What were you? How were you working? Like, how, how was yeah. your body working?" And it was pure adrenaline, I think, because yeah. I just loved being on the go constantly. Like, I was getting about three or four hours sleep a night, not even. And the mind um, then is just constant, 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 constant. There's no, constant. There's no yeah. such thing as sitting back and saying, um, what, relaxing. What yeah. is actually happening here? What yeah. am I doing? And that's the thing I never kind of gave myself time to really sit back and think, "What am I doing?" And I found the gym and. Um, I was like, I remember the you have to do an induction, so like you meet a PT and they like just show you around the gym and stuff. And the guy that I had was Chris. I actually became a really good friend of mine. I remember one time, then I was on the treadmill and like I was so tiny, and he came over and he was like, "Would you not try the free weights? Do you know, try pick up weight and like drop it on like a bit of muscle." And I was like, "No." I, girls have this idea. Yeah, I was so scared. Yeah, lifting weights, they're going to get bulky, but girls aren't built like yeah. men. Yeah, and that's the thing. I like, I actually did go to the gym at home with my boyfriend. He actually did um, introduce me to the gym first. And he was kind of saying, Joe, like, let's get you strong and healthy. There was a long-distance relationship going on this time. Yeah, well. very tough. Yeah, <laughs> very imagine. tough, yeah. <laughs> but, like, he, he was with me since I was 15, so, like, he helped a lot. He was very understanding. I can't even imagine how it was for him to yeah. put up with me at such a young age. I didn't know what was going on with yeah. me. How could he have known, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, we were together for my first year. And then we broke up for the... We broke up then for two years. Um, I suppose like he hated me being over there because in my first year, every time I came home, I was smaller and smaller and smaller. So he was like, you're over there killing yourself. My mum mm. and dad were saying the same thing. Um, but then I was like, you know, fuck this, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Mm. You know, and I started picking up weights and I became obsessed. Now, I was badly obsessed at the start. I had to go to the gym twice a day with college and my two jobs. Jeez. Yeah, like, how was I even finding there was, I don't even know. But then I kind of, I started putting on a bit of weight and I remember ordering um, my first bag of protein from my protein and it was chocolate flavoured. Mm. And that was my first time having a bit of chocolate in I don't know how many years. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? You know, it was delicious because mm. I was just having the same yeah. food every day and it was just the vegetables, you yeah. know what I mean? So like, that was like my... And I remember the girls were like, oh, that is disgusting. Like, it's horrible. Like, that's not real chocolate. But to me, it was like... The sweetness. It was, oh, I was so excited for it. Um, And then I kind of started putting on weight slowly and I used to get compliments and I hadn't gotten a compliment, like, in years, really. Mm. You know, because everyone was always kind of like, you don't look well, you know. And then it was kind of like, you look healthy. But then that was playing with me as well. So, like, it was just a constant battle. Like, no, like, to no believe them. Like, you are being healthy and it's a compliment. Sometimes if you tell a girl she looks healthy... Oh, my God, don't. That's that's a nice way of saying she looks fat. Yeah, don't say it. Don't say it. That's what I I took it as. Like, if someone said to me, you look healthy, I'd be like, Mm. I look fat now, like... Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? And that was such a big compliment because I looked so unhealthy Mm. for such a long time that it is a compliment. But, like, I was taking it as, you look huge now. Um... So, yeah, it was just constant, like... Mm. 
so when you started um, with the gym, yeah. that was the start of your recovery. That then. was it. That was the big start. Yeah, that's when I kind of started accepting. Right, you have an issue, and this was this really started to help me. And then I started seeing progress in myself. So my legs started getting a bit stronger. My dancing improved. What about your significantly. eating? Did it? Did it take, eating, yeah, it did help me. Did it take time to build up, like yeah. the food on the plate and the digestion and all? Yeah, because it was. It was almost like a, how would you even describe it? A battle. Like to someone, like I'm just eating a bit of chicken or whatever it is, but like in my head there's someone talking to me being like, you shouldn't be eating this. You're not allowed this. Like this isn't what you're meant to be doing. Like you've been, you know, you haven't been doing this now for seven years. Why are you starting now kind of thing? So it was a constant battle, but I just had to push through. And then I started training the girls that I was in college with. Mm. And I found such a passion for it. I was like, oh my God, I love this. I love seeing their progress. And I was like, oh my God, I was getting like a buzz off it, yeah. kind of like euphoria. And then I, I started skipping college and going to the gym. So I think that's when I kind of realised then. I was like, you know, mm. is this kind of my purpose? Is this what I love? I love did doing this. Did you have to do any therapy? Did I? Yeah. In your so recovery? I did group therapy, one-on-one therapy and family therapy. Family therapy was terrible. I can imagine. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. My dad's sitting there just like, get me out of here. Um, group therapy was with me and let's say 10 other girls with eating disorders it was good in a way but then like I'd be sitting there like she's skinnier than I am or mm. do you know uh, the therapists then mm-hmm. were they trying to explain to you what was wrong with you with, with I the think they kind of like whatever way I was sitting she'd be like why do you think you're sitting like that or what like you've you've blocked your hands if I've asked you this question mm. so it actually made me a lot more aware of me mm. And it, but it took me about a year now to actually kind of get into the swing of therapy because I absolutely hated going there. I would sit there in silence. Would, um, you, would you? Were you able to retain the information that they were yeah, giving you? So yeah. So like one of the best things I think that my therapist had me do was write a letter to my future self. Okay. And um, being better, and that was one thing that I think was one of the best things I ever did. So like kind of as a as a recovering person with anorexia write a letter to me now and I think that kind of brought me out of my head that I was in then into being like right I can actually recover and mm-hmm. I can be a a no, person like yeah. that that lives life you yeah. know because I was just, I just wasn't living at all yeah 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 fair play Jesus you definitely should share your, your story and go to schools because I'm sure there's a I'd lot love of, to yeah there's an awful lot of young people struggling with this you're going to get a lot of feedback on this I'd yeah. say um People will contact us and they'll contact you. Yeah. A, this has a big enough audience, you know what I mean? Mm. There's people from all over um, Ireland and also Australia, America and yeah, Canada maybe. and all these places. So yeah, it's definitely going to help people. It's going to help adults as well, our yeah, parents. Yeah, and that's what, what I mean? want. Like, I want to help as many people as I can because like, it is, I don't think it's talked about enough. Like, there is a bit of a stigma with it, like, you know. Yeah. And it's it's hard yeah. to understand too, do you know. And I hope I can, it's so... You it's a very easy way of articulating what's uh, the, the disease itself, yeah. you know. So I I don't think you'll have any problem. It's just it's just trying to get young girls and boys to really sit and listen and try to understand. Yeah, and I don't know, you know. It's it's really yeah. Because hard. I feel like people think then as well being skinny is glamorous, and it's not mm. because like what comes with it is depression, yeah. which like I was diagnosed with when I was fifteen. Um, like I had my my eyelash had to be pinned down, take my first antidepressant because I didn't want it. Mm. So a lot of a lot of things come with it. Like you're not just anorexic. Like, How was your mental health today? Today, mm. I actually cried a lot today. That's um, sometimes good. Yeah, mm. sometimes good. You know, like like I still take my antidepressants. You know, and there's times where that kills me to have to admit 
no. you know, because it's... Yeah. And, I, and I know that yeah. there shouldn't be any shamefulness yeah. stuck with that, you know, but I suppose it's just kind of accepting who I am and I do forget, like, how far I've come, mm. um, like, to where I am now. But, like, today, yeah, because I've, I've... I do tend to forget, like, the dark places that I was in and, like, what I've seen in my different hospital admissions and mm. what I've been through. Um, and I just the person that I was is it dark, yeah. you know? And I kind of, I kind of relived that today before I came here, yeah. and I just had a, a couple of tears to myself. Yeah. You know? look, I just wanted to get it out before I came here because I didn't want to yeah. cry down here. I don't know. Well, look, you're doing very well. You're very composed. But if you want to cry, you yeah. cry. <laughs> don't say that. We can't, we, can't, we can't comfort you <laughs> over social distancing. Yeah. Though, so just be, be aware of that. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I do when I look at somebody that is in recovery, and you're in recovery as well? Yeah. Um, the wisdom that they have and they can offer all the people yeah. because they've came through it is, is phenomenal. Phenomenal, and that's one thing that I am very grateful for. If I could go back in time, I wouldn't change it because mm. I feel like I grew up before my time. I yeah. saw things in hospital that like I wish I didn't see, but it did make me grow into the person that I am today, and I do look at the world differently. Like Every day is a gift, you know what mm. I mean? I am so grateful to be here because... I did have suicidal thoughts and, like, I did try, you know, um, and that's tough to admit as well, you know. Mm. Like, I tried, like, I think it was three different times Mm. um, and thankfully didn't succeed in those. uh, What age were you when when that happened? Um, 15. Yeah. 15, just between, like, my two hospital admissions. Mm. Um, It was a very dark place for you at the time. So dark. And, And that's the thing, and it's like, I know some people say that suicide is so selfish but it's not because I genuinely thought, like, if I was gone, that everything would be okay. Mm. And it's the opposite of that. And, it's, and that's the thing, but, it's like, that's, what you, that's, that's all you can yeah. see. Like, I genuinely thought, like, if I was gone, Joe, my mum would be... I know. I've okay, been in that place, yeah. too. Suicide attempts and uh, even outside of the suicide attempts, the way I was using drugs, injecting heroin in a way where this would probably kill mm. me. No, but I'd actually didn't care because didn't I know. was worthless anyway. I yeah. didn't have no place on the sort. I didn't have any. I didn't add any value, and or I yeah. didn't, you know. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I saw little thought of myself that to die on the side mm-hmm. of a street was. I, I was yeah. expecting it. You know, I, was, yeah. I could relate to James there with that. I would have never. I, I would have was too proud to literally throw myself into the river or do anything else. Yeah. But I would just consume so large much. amounts of drugs that. Like you're just hoping that you don't wake up. Like, yeah. Or put yourself you know. into situations where this is that's another form of self harm. Actually, mm. put yourself into situations where you could get hurt in terms of violence and yeah. in terms of crashes and mm-hmm. all this madness. Like yeah. these risky behaviours where you just have no regard for your life. You know. So, yeah. um, will I ask? Will I offer you? Or will I ask you some of the questions that? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I I asked people on Instagram and that um. Mm-hmm. Any questions for you? So here's a couple. This is from Limerick Lady 87. So I wonder where she's from. <laughs> How can a family and friends support someone with an eating disorder? I think just by being there, don't it's very it's a very tough one, but like all you can do is be there. Don't be very don't be forceful. Um just let them know that you're there to listen. I found that if people were being too forceful, if people were saying, come on, we go for something to eat, yeah. I'd be like, oh my God. You're going to rebel. Like. You're going to rebel against it. And like, 
they will rebel against it. Just being there for them, letting them know that like you are open to being understanding, you're open to learning about it. Mm. Um, do some research on it. Mm. Like try and think, try and put yourself in their shoes, because it is a very it's it's so hard for people around the person. But for one minute, try and think about being in their shoes, mm. and like they don't want to hurt you. They don't want to hurt the people that they mm. love. They genuinely don't. They're hurting themselves enough. Mm. You know, they are so confused um, themselves. So I just say, just sit there and tell them that you're open to learn about it and just to listen yeah. um, and just be there as much as you can. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This one is from Ka- Karen. Her uh, Twitter handle is Malzer. <laughs> <laughs> is part of her lifestyle now watching every calorie and restricting food and calories I often wonder about this could you ask her, her opinion please I've been down the road of diet plans and I think there's a grey area here no one covers you kind of touched on that yeah it's a really on. good one yeah like I suppose at the moment I'm actually doing a lean bulk um, because I wanted to challenge myself for those of us that don't know what oh, a lean bulk is a lean bulk is putting on weight um, steadily steadily yeah and like through like, good food mm-hmm. you know obviously there's no, I actually take that back there's no good and b- bad food mm-hmm. that's something I've learned along the way there is no good and bad food but like through like nutrient dense foods you know mm-hmm. um, so I'm doing it for myself also because like I'm giving my clients challenges you know whether it be put on weight or lose weight and I want to show that I practice what I preach mm-hmm. you know I want to mm-hmm. be able to do it as well and it, it's tough um, but as I said, like I've got my coach, Alan, who I'm very thankful for. I'm very grateful for. Um, I suppose that's a good point as well. Yeah, like and to surround yourself. With surround yourself people with people like minded people, like, people, like yeah. to, that understand what you want, your goals, and I suppose as well, diet plans. As you said, diet. It's it's a bad word. It's not it's, a good it's word. It's like a diet plan is something where there's an end. Mm. Yeah, it, this this end. is this there's is what you want. Place. A continuous lifestyle. Yeah. As you said, you you need to, it needs to be a consistent thing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And yeah. a diet can mean as well. A diet means to me means that I'm cut no stuff. I don't want to cut <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. And, and you don't have to. No, no, definitely yeah. not. Exactly. I suppose where I, my aim is now is to get to a certain weight where where. Um, I've lost enough weight where I'm comfortable in my own skin where yeah. I can start wearing clothes that I, I would have wore there last year or the year before and to get 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 to a place where I'm a little bit more athletic because, yeah. you know, mm. at the moment, I wouldn't be there and when I get there then, like, it's, it's, it's not this getting there, I just want to keep it at that keep then. Keep it at that, yeah. You know, and keep eating the same food. There's no restrictions. Like, We've all heard of the cheat meal. Yeah. You know, the cheat meal is the worst thing I could do. Because <laughs> the cheat meal will last three days with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> three days she can the cheat down. weekend. <laughs> oh, you know, and that happened last week. It was the yeah. cheat weekend. It was in the cheat. It's your hash or something nice hash. It's added to the cheat meal. Pizza, <laughs> you know, and I then know. it went into the Saturday and the Sunday. But it's just, your cheat meal could be a very, very, very nice meal. And do you know what I learned in the last few months was use plenty of spices and herbs and stuff and mm. give them that extra yeah, bit of flavour. Yeah, it doesn't have to be bland. No, no, it doesn't have to be bland. I remember eating cod just with <laughs> inside in the oven with no flavour and cod and just raw rice. And, and I, I just like chalk on my fucking troll. Oh, God, do you want your bed back mm. water then to get it back in troll because it won't go down, it's too dry. <laughs> you know, that was back in the day when it you know, fucking I know. was nuts, like trying to put on... <laughs> no, when yeah. I come into recovery that time now where uh, 
all I had to do really was there was nothing expected of me but just stay stop stay sober. Yeah. I used to go to gym twice a day. I ate about four or five thousand calories. It was big as a big yeah. food now, alright, like yeah. but fucking hell. It's very hard to maintain, you know, yeah. and even as you get bigger, it's not that I was satisfied with how I looked, I wasn't. Yeah. You know, I was just yeah. eating food and mad training, eating, training, eating, training and where does it end? Like it's it's it's, it's, it's again like, looking for the external yeah. stuff to make it feel better. But you know what also done, James? Like, and you know this from from being in recovery, and it's it's taken it's literally taken over the addiction in it's your the life. Obsession, yeah, isn't that it? like that's it's, what happened with me. Like, know? I feel like it overtook it, but I was so addicted to the gym in a bad way yeah. for a while. It did overtake it. It's finding something else to kind of overtake yeah. the bad. Somebody addiction. actually asked the question, and that there. Um, Oh yeah, that, that models are going, is this, did you swap the obsession? Now, this is not a negative. Yeah. Because I don't, because people say to me, or oh, you, you swap the addiction to drugs to an addiction to work and education and mm-hmm. all these things. I says, oh, what? Yeah. It's fucking healthier, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And if you yeah. swap your, your anorexia for another obsession, but yeah. it's healthy and you're happy, so there's no problem. Like you, you have to channel that energy into something. Into Wait. something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now it definitely was bad for a while. I had to find the balance. Mm. Like, as I said, I was going to at least twice a day. And if that meant going at three, three in the morning and then in between college... Yeah. At my break, I would do it like it's just finding that like, and I, you, it's just growth. It's just self growth yeah. and like just learning how to handle it yeah. and just, as you said, giving your time, giving yourself yeah. the time to learn about yourself and what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just takes time. Yeah. It does it take qu- time? A question I have then is, um, mm-hmm. you're in the fitness industry. I am indeed. How's it? How is how is it working in the fitness industry through COVID? Um, do you know what? at the at the start of last year, like when the, the first lockdown happened. Oh my, I, I cried my eyes out because, especially like with, let's say, the depression, I I can slip into that very easy. Like if I'm on my own for too long, as I was saying to you before we started, like I can get lost in my thoughts. So I'm a person that needs to be on the go constantly. I, I love being surrounded by people. I'm a people person. I chat to the wall. Um, so when work was taken away, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, and I, I was in a low place for a while. And then um, Leon... Thankfully, he was saying, like, let's start with online classes. And he was, like, there was no choice. He was like, Lauren, you're going to do them because I'm the only girl PT out uh, in Exceed. So he was like, it's more of a kind of girl thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I won't be able to do this at all. Like, mm. self-doubt straight away. And I was so scared. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, on the way down, I was like, I'm going to get sick. Because, like, I was just kind of new to the PT industry then as well, you know. So, and I was like, now I'm doing an online class. I've never mm. done a class before. Um, oh, you're only recently in that trade. Yeah, so, like, just over a year now. Um, mad year to start, isn't mad it? Mad year to start, it really <laughs> and, was. Yeah, but like it's, the growth, it's good too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it was. You no, know? honest to God, actually, yeah. I think it's the best thing because yeah. I love it now. Like online classes, like give them all to me. I absolutely love them now. Yeah. I do prefer being in person. You know your online classes. Yeah. Just while we're on it here, there's going to be a lot of women yeah. wanting to connect with you and wanting to do classes with you. How can they? So let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So what you gotta do is this is my pitch. It's my plug now. Um, (laughs) So Exceed Fitness, we have an app, so you can download it on the app store. Um, You just download it, and it's a pulse class. So they're on Tuesdays and Thursdays at half six, and Saturdays at ten a.m. So it's about in forty-five minutes to an hour. Should be forty-five minutes, but I usually do an hour just because I do it as well. Um, They keep me going, so it's all body weight. You don't need any equipment because I know some people do have equipment, some people Mm. don't. It's all body weight and. On the Exceed page, there's actually a few um, transformations that people have doing the mm. pulse classes and mm. 
their body transformations. And I like, might fall in with you next week. Fall in? I will. Do you know what? I will. I promise. I do. You actually one. should. And you give, should. Uh, they're actually, I think they're fantastic. They you are. Know, do you know what? And it's from yeah. the comfort of your own yeah. home. Ah, like, yeah. I know we'd all prefer to go to I the gym. I love the high intensity me. stuff. Like, yeah, and it is. It is so tough. There's a, there's a few men that yeah. do it with me, like, and yeah. they love it. So don't well, feel like it's not just a woman thing. I'll tell you another great thing, particularly in my own home, because we have young kids. A lot of us are doing it. Myself, and my wife, and the kids were doing the There's actually a, there's a video on the Exceed page. Um, there's a woman and her little kids are doing it with yeah. her. And it is, it's something that can yeah. bring the family together. Do you know what I mean? Like in this hard time. Because yeah. I know there's times I want to kill my family. Yeah. But like, we do, you do have a laugh. And we're pushing know? each other on. Pushing each other. You know, it's a beaut- it is yeah. a beautiful it's, thing. It's something that we yeah. would have never done before. And, and it's... it's, it's it's making us a little bit closer. Yeah. Well. Abandoned, I like, I think this lockdown, you know, there's a lot of bad things to it, but there's a lot of good things to it as well. Mm. You know, like mm. that, those kind of things. Like me and my family, we sit down, we watch movies together. We always be on the go, on the go, everyone in and out. It is actually a beautiful mm. time if you let it be, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. And I also do stretch classes as well, if you're into that. Yeah. And I actually do meditation at the end of it. I do that on Wednesdays at seven. And if mm. you want to do that, just DM me on Instagram. Um, yeah. I get you sorted yeah. up with that, and we link all your social media in, in the description. Media. And meditation, there's a great thing. Yeah, as well. and like we as I was saying, yeah, earlier, it's something that has yeah. really helped me. Now I do need to get more into it again. Mm. Um, but like I found that in my second hospital admission, that was kind of part of the recovery yeah. mm. process and mindfulness and meditation. And it's definitely something that I feel everyone should. I started look into. Uh, meditating mm. again recently. I got an app, ten uh, percent happier. Dan Harris. Do you know, does that yeah, name ring a bell? Dan Harris. Yeah. No. He's an American reporter, but he's a big uh, advocate mm. of meditation. But the, the app um, has the best meditation teachers from around the world on wow. it. And it has loads of different courses. But it has two basic courses, which is for, for beginners, obviously. Yeah. And it just explains meditation, how you can do it, uh, what to expect. Um, and it's just a brilliant app for beginners. And then there's a paid version if you want the more... Um, yes. the different courses yeah. the one I'm doing at the moment is around um, sticking to your plan or sticking to your goal you know mm-hmm. sticking to mm-hmm. your schedule that type of thing but um, the guided meditation but anyway we don't get any money from them no but that's just an app I but use no, 10% I just want to mention this about but we'll accept it. money if they want to give it <laughs> I just, I just want to mention this uh, about meditation because there's a lot of people that I've spoken to you, we've yeah. all spoken to and they've all turned meditation away because they said oh can't do that I can't do you know it's not in me I often said this when I started meditating it was inside in a prison cell and yeah. I was in early recovery and I had to literally keep my two hands on my knees from hopping up and down you know I couldn't sit still but the psychi- psychologist was saying you have to, you know it, it'll be good for you and I started off with two to three minutes literally mm-hmm. at the beginning and I just kept working my way up and kept working my way up and just focusing on my breath and bringing myself back to the breath every time my yeah. mind would go off and consistently keep doing that. Anybody can meditate. Mm. They can. Anybody. And stop telling yourself you can't, can't. do something. Everybody the can do it. The minute you say you can't, then you won't. You know? You know? Yeah. It's, just, it's just that voice. It's just your... your do you know your ego is trying to tell you? No, no, they want mm. you to... The mind wants you to be busy consistently. Yeah. Just try it, try it, find something that's good for you, it might be a guided meditation, it might be music where there's a waterfall or there's birds making noise or a stream, just sit back and don't go into your head, 
go and go into your thinking, just go into your breath, feel your breath going in, in through your, your throat, down into your chest, and feel it going into your belly and back up. And every time your mind goes off again, just back bring it back breath. again yeah. to your breath. I think we should have our own Tunari's guided meditation. Yeah. I'd have no problem doing <laughs> a guided <laughs> meditation. You, you have yeah. a lovely thought. No, you say, close your eyes there, Sola. You know what? We actually, we actually started our own meditation class when we were in Shelton Abbey and it was very, very, very successful. I started, I used to meditate underneath the stairs in the hallway because I couldn't find anywhere. Wow, the cow you know, anywhere to... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, can ima- imagine, all right, close your eyes there, close yeah. your eyes to me. Yeah. Close your eyes there, so I'll yeah. be aware of the, the surroundings there, Bible. Well, listen to this, right? Listen to this. <laughs> I, I'd be meditating underneath the stairs. It's, just, so it's an open stairs, and yeah. I'll just picture this. And there was one day, I, I was new to the place, I hadn't a clue where to go. I, I couldn't find a quiet place anywhere next to Chief the chief of the place comes up he opens my eyes one day and there he is just standing there looking at me what what the fuck is going on here (laughs) you know but in the end they asked me they started asking me a little bit what are you doing and and I explained to him why Mm. he was doing it and where he was in my life and and they started bringing in meditation teachers and stuff after a while into the prison they started to teach it by that time I had we had our own little class going. There was yeah. about four or five of us and we'd go away and we'd meditate twice a day in That's the hall. And I see people's lives change. From because of it. In front of my eyes. My own life changed dramatically. Yeah. It saved my life literally. Literally. That's like, amazing. You know, yeah. and because it actually, it actually took me away from all the madness that was going That's on in my head. Yeah. You know, it was a, I was able to surrender into all these feelings and all the mad shit that was going on I was able to step back and kind of be the watcher of all this these mad negative thoughts and that I was bad and all this yeah. and my life changed dramatically because of meditation but I I I, I was meditating one two hours a day and I was just consistently wow. bringing myself back to the breath yeah. every time and I was being compassionate to myself which is critical as well you have to every time mm. your mind goes off into thought and you could be caught up in that thought for mm-hmm. a minute two minutes maybe five minutes Yeah. and then we have a natural instinct of saying oh, fuck's sake you've done it again you've gone off in the, mm. but you know you have to be compassionate to yourself and saying it's okay do you know in that course that yeah. I was doing with the app right yeah. he was t- saying he's, he was saying to me he's saying on the app do you know what I mean yeah. not specifically <laughs> to me I don't I didn't pay him that much but he was saying when you're meditating like that, you have thoughts. Sometimes you'll be aware of them when they start. Sometimes you're yeah. in the top of, of like you said, a few minutes mm-hmm. before you go. He says, but being aware of the thought, that is meditation. Mm-hmm. Just being it's aware. Like, of it, yeah. yeah. It's it depends. Being mindful. Yeah. But, but you have to have a strong awareness to be aware of the thought, to be yeah. the watcher of the thought. Yeah. And like, when you, you say watch, like, that's like me, you know, as I was saying to you before we started, like the anorexic voice in my head and mine, I couldn't differentiate. Yeah. Yes. I just thought I was anorexic yeah. and nothing else. There was no more to me. Mm. And it took me years to be like, right, there's actually two people in my head yeah. fighting. Mm. So obviously one of them is not me and one of them is me. So like meditation kind of helped me realise mm. that, that like Lauren, you know, mm. You're not just anorexia, you're not just anorexic, like, and you can fight mm. against it, you know, because there was two voices in my head. Mm. There was, like, me and the other one. But when you're sick, but when you're the sick, inner critic just, is the loudest yeah, one. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I just, I could only hear one of them for mm. so long. 
But um, I, I still have the addict voice in my head. I do too. And, and I'm not going to lie and say yeah, I don't and do. Like, let's say if I'm getting, if I'm busy in work or if I'm, don't know if there's a lot going on and I feel yeah. under pressure, the addict part of my brain is like, do not be nice now and all this annex. Yeah. Or do not be nice now and bottle of vodka. Yeah. And forget about all this adult shit because there's too many responsibilities and it's just when I fucking escape. And that's like me, know? like when I have a, like a really, st- if I feel really stressed or if there's a lot going on, I won't eat. And it's not that I won't eat, I literally mm-hmm. can't. And it's sometimes, I don't even realise it, it could be 5pm and I'm like, fuck, I haven't eaten. Mm-hmm. Some you people know? are the opposite, then and they then just again, keep eating. You know? I would be that. Five's like, yeah. all the stuff that would have kept me going down through the years, the drinking, the drugs and the gambling and all the other shit, yeah. they're all gone. It's like, yeah. no, you have food because no, you have food. to have food. You know, and everybody it's knows such an that. easy thing to but It's not use, that easy, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Food is kind of something that really... Is taking a lot of my own peace as well yeah. down through the years. Mm. You know, it's, it, it's gone from the alcohol and the drugs where I had no awareness whatsoever. And I got a little bit back and I had yeah. a good bit back and then the food started creeping mm. in, you know. It's a tough thing, like it's mm. a tough old thing because I guess some people just don't get it. And as I said, like, I understand both sides now because it is meant, it's a mental thing and yeah. it's there's something making you use food to block off something else, fill that void, you know. Yeah. Um, but Do you yeah. know if, if if there are parents watching this and they're yeah. very very worried about their kids, mm-hmm. a child, um, where do where can they actually could they if if they wanted some advice off you? Oh, yeah, I was going to say like I would hundred percent say it right to me. Yeah. Um, like there's a there's a few people that I've met up with over the years trying to help them now. I always say to parents like I'm not going to save their child. Yeah. Unfortunately, and that's you know. That's a fair comment to say. Yeah, that's because there's fair. there's times where people probably might think that I can save them, and I wish I could. Mm-hmm. But like, what is the greatest thing is that like whatever person I meet, I know what they're thinking. I know how they feel about themselves. I know if they're lying to me. Mm-hmm. I've it's like I've written the book. Do you know what I mean? I know if they're lying to me. I know if they're lying to their parents or their partner or whatever. Do you know, it doesn't matter what age the person is. But it's so nice for that person to talk to someone that's been there. Because like I remember with any doctor I had or any therapist, the first question I'd ask them was, have you had anorexia? And if they say, no, I just shut off. Mm-hmm. I, and I do you know what, I respect that you've learned about it and you've taken the time out of your life to study about it and research it, but it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same as being in it. Like you can understand it kind of, but like you just don't get it really. Yeah, really. Um, so if there is anyone out there that has someone or even that someone that's going through it, Mm. and they need a person to talk to like my time I, I'll give it freely do you know yeah. what I mean like I that's that's the reason why I wanted to come down here and talk yeah. um, because I, I didn't really have anyone yeah. that had been through it and that actually got better so like to me I was like this is just the way I'm going to be for the rest of my life and there's mm. no end to it like it'll never end yeah. but it can end like there is light at the end of the tunnel like there always is you just have to work really hard at it mm. and I'll do as much as I can for anyone yeah. um, to get them through it I think even going into schools. Look, yeah, that's something that I really do want to would do. Be a fantastic um, thing to I'd do. love to do it. I actually went back to my old school, uh, Guelph Shavira, years and years and years ago, um, and it was such a nice thing to do. Years and years and years ago. Years and years and years ago. I feel. I feel. <laughs> now I'm going to say an age because you get mad. <laughs> but no, um, I don't. I feel very old lately. But no, I'd love to do that because I think when it, like looking back, it started at 14 for me. Mm. You know. It's it's something that could hopefully be stopped for another yeah. fourteen year olds. Fourteen year olds out there right now in the same place. Yeah, and, and especially like with the Instagram and stuff exactly. like that, social there's media. A lot of like pressures on people. So mm-hmm. there's no better Colleen than to go in and have a chat with those yeah, young people. But look, yeah. we're going to have to call it a day because we're going off for a while, an hour, <laughs> and the cameras kind of give us about an hour. No but um, 
thank you so much for coming no, on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you, know, you represented yourself very well. Thank you. You're very easy to talk to. There's a lovely energy from you and a genuineness mm. about thank you. Thank you so much. And um, <laughs> any closing comments to me? Um, no, again, thank you very much. And I'd say your mother and your father are probably very proud of you from coming when <laughs> totally you have, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's true you know you look very healthy um, and I'd say just keep going what you're doing and keep all those positive people around you you know um, and listen you're going to you're going to inspire a lot of people Hopefully. tonight um, so just keep doing what you're doing and thank you very much for coming on and uh, giving us your story no okay. problem it was my pleasure and again just to reiterate like if there is anyone out there that does need someone to talk to yeah. Yeah. just write to me and I'd be more than happy to help well said, well um, said. And look, so um, thank you, Laura. Thank you, Timmy. Thanks, Rowan. <laughs> and thanks to everybody at home, um, whether you're listening on Spotify, uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts and all these, please uh, subscribe to our channel. It really helps us grow it. And uh, we'll see you all next Saturday morning again. Slán thank mat. you. Slán. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.